0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. It's great to see you all here at church. Uh, and for those who are joining with us online, hello to you as well. And and really, you know, the fact that uh, you've all made coming together and worshiping God a priority this morning means you're actually already on the right track of understanding what the Lord wants to teach us today as we continue our sermon series through Luke. And so on that end, if you wanted to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 10, we're going to be starting at verse 38 and going to 42, so a short little passage this morning, but uh, it's uh, got a lot in there for us, Uh, so uh, I just pray that, um, yeah, let's let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our hearts to receive uh, what your word wants to speak to us this morning, Lord God. Lord God that we would uh be able to just set aside all the all the things we're thinking about all the things we're distracted with Lord and and come before you to sit as your sit at your feet as as we're going to learn this morning even how how important and how integral that is Lord God and so uh, I pray that you would uh, help us to focus on your word um and that you would just let it go deep into our hearts that it would change us that it would mold us that it would draw us closer to you we pray this in Jesus name amen all right, Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. If you weren't wearing masks, I would probably had seen a lot of you just kind of giggling nervously as I read through this, right? Um, I don't, I don't really even need to preach it now. You, you know what's going on. Um, but really, for for before I get into that, you know, for anyone who's grown up with siblings, I think you might relate to this passage a little bit more than others. Uh, for instance, I can remember when I was younger, I'd sometimes complain to my mom if one of my sisters got a got a bigger piece of dessert than me, right? Like last weekend at Thanksgiving dinner. But, um, <sighs> or, you know, you know, if I was stuck doing the dishes or something while, well, while well my, my sis- one of my sisters got to have a friend over to watch a movie, I'd be like, it's not fair, right? How come I have to, have to do this while well, she gets to do that? You know, I've had, I'd have all this self-pity, you know, and, and don't you care that I'm, I'm getting the short end of the stick here? I didn't actually say it like that, but that's, you know, the impression I was trying to give off all the time. And and this seemed to be kind of like Martha's frame of mind on that particular afternoon when she'd welcome Jesus and presumably some of his disciples as well into her home. Being the Type A personality that she was, it seemed she'd immediately set about making sure everyone was settled in, that they all had refreshments in their hand, and that enough food was being prepared, and that the table was being set, and beds were being made, and all of those things. Of course, she'd recruited her younger sister Mary to help her with all that needed to be done because so much needed to be done, especially for this notable rabbi like Jesus. We got to do, we got to do everything. We got everything's got to be perfect. And 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 besides, you know, this was actually. The 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 moral expectation back then for all Jews, and especially for the women of the household, to extend abundant hospitality to travelers and guests. That's the heart of God in in practice. And, And so by inviting Jesus in, she's doing a biblical thing. We can't forget that. She's doing a biblical thing. She's demonstrating her love for Jesus. In fact, we can probably guess that hospitality was what you could call her love language or or her spiritual gift, or whatever you want to call it, right? That's how she expressed how she loved Jesus. But yet, Martha's now got her hands full, rushing around, trying to accommodate and honor her guests and to make a good impression on them. And so she's busy, 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 doing what she feels is incredibly important and incredibly necessary. And, and so I can imagine her at one point with sweat dripping from her brow, moving urgently from the kitchen to the sitting room with a jar of wine in her hand to see if anyone needed their cups refilled, you know, looking around, only to look over to find, to her shock and horror and frustration... Her sister Mary, sitting down, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Are you kidding me? She most likely muttered to herself between clenched teeth, her cheeks flushed in exasperation, her eyes staring down her sister with that death glare, like, what are you doing? Still managing to pour out wine while she's staring at her sister. You know, I can just imagine it all going down. And she was probably thinking, here I am, doing all of this hard work by myself, and she's sitting down how fair is that? And not only is she sitting down, but she's sitting at the feet of a rabbi, which she should know is unbecoming and uncustomary uh, for women to even do. How, How could Jesus allow this breach of etiquette? And most of all, again, doesn't he care that I'm doing all this work by myself? It's so not fair. I mean, I'm only assuming these feelings of this conversation of, you know, frustration and resentment and embarrassment and self-pity were all running through her mind and that they must have been pretty strong because they seem to all bubble up within her until she blurts out like, like, like a volcano erupting to Jesus in front of everyone. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But Jesus, course, he doesn't respond to her in the way she expects or the way she tells him to. There's some boldness, eh? She's like telling Jesus. Tell, tell her to do this. You know, sometimes we think our, our prayers aren't answered when, when we come to Jesus, but I think in most cases it's probably because we are trying to tell Jesus to do something according to our own understanding of the situation, but he's going to do what's necessary. He's going to do what's good. He's going to do what we should have prayed for if we knew what he knew. I think it's Tim Keller who gets credit for that sentiment. Um, And so Jesus doesn't do what she asks, or what she tells him to do, what she instructs, because it's not what needed. Rather, Jesus is, is actually consistent with how he responds to each and every one of us when we come before him, as we can and should, with our doubts and questions and anxieties and frustrations and demands. He speaks right to her heart. He reveals to her what's really going on by going straight into the deeper-seated issue which really needed to be addressed. He gently says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. I just want to point out at this point that if my wife was all wound up and flustered in her busyness, and then finally in a moment of deep despair and frustration, she finally asks for my help, but instead I slowly got off the couch from from watching hockey and said to her, Audrey, Audrey, you should stop being so anxious about so many things. Um, I wouldn't live to see another day. that's only fair, right? So on that end, I should note that while saying a name twice in our culture might sound condescending, in theirs it actually evoked a caring demeanor. Jesus, because he does care for her, is showing Martha that the source of her frustration and anxiety in that circumstance, the reason she's convinced herself that Jesus doesn't care about her, actually comes from the fact that she's got her priorities of what's most important mixed up. She's got them backwards. And though I think we can relate to Martha here, though, when life gets busy or, or difficult or overwhelming and we feel like we're, all, we're doing it all on our own, we, we can all get to that, that bursting point where we just can't even anymore and all we can do is cry out in desperation, Lord, don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you even care? Only to then realize, like Martha needed to, that the primary reason we've, we've become burnt out or driven to the edge or consumed by anxiety and self-pity or envy of others is because crying out to Jesus in frustration in that moment was actually the first time in a long time we've even conversed with Him at all. Martha had been so busy serving and so distracted and and stressed out with all the things she felt she needed to do for Jesus that she failed to actually spend time with Jesus. She'd invited him into her home. Great. But she didn't take time to behold him. I think a lot of people have invited Jesus into our lives by His grace, but we don't take the time to behold Him. Instead, she figured out that what she was doing was, or she figured, sorry, that what she was doing was more important than anything else. And so she'd even found herself looking at Mary, her her own sister, with disdain and envy for not helping her. When really she couldn't see that Mary was exemplifying to her what was the better portion. So despite what what Martha had assumed from her own skewed perspective, Mary wasn't being lazy or neglecting her or neglecting the work. Rather, Mary had simply chosen to give her attention to what was truly most important in that moment and also into eternity, which is spending time at the feet of Jesus enjoying his presence and resting in his peace, humbly listening to his word, learning from him, talking to him, worshiping him, growing in the knowledge of his love and grace. Jesus, the son of God, was in their house. In that circumstance, why would anyone choose to do anything but sit at his feet? So Martha had it backwards. Jesus doesn't need anything from us, but he has a lot that he wants to give. And this is the point. Jesus cares more about us knowing him and being in relationship with him than he does about what we do for him. In the same vein, Jesus would later tell his disciples that without him, we can do nothing anyway. That is, good works which bear good fruit only come about when we're abiding in him. When we're drawing our supply, our portion, our strength, and our joy from his presence. From his grace. Right. So, so we need to be clear here and clarify that, that the message of this story isn't that we shouldn't do works. It's not works are bad. But that too often we put the cart before the horse. And, and, and so with that being said, it wasn't that Martha was wrong in her desire to serve Jesus and be hospitable. These, these are, like I said earlier, these are godly activities and, and when they're done in the right, with, with the right heart and motivation, right? And this is something we actually see her doing again later, yet without complaint this, that time, when, when Jesus and his disciples revisit them. They come to their house again and it says Martha served them. That's when Mary pours the perfume on Jesus' feet. Martha's serving him. On that end, the problem wasn't even that she had lots of work to do or that she was busy. We all get busy sometimes, right? We all get busy sometimes with, with work or, or with our kids or with church things or with housework or whatever, right? That, that's fine, and that's part of life, and we shouldn't feel guilty about being busy when we're doing good things. The issue, though, was that she was living under that false impression that the most important thing in that moment was her work. When the most important thing in that moment was to actually take time out of her busyness in order to rest in Jesus first. Her dedication in doing things for Jesus actually kept her from seeing and delighting in Jesus, which in turn also then kept her from working from a place of joy and peace and purpose. From a place of security and rest, and knowing that that his love isn't earned by what we do for him, but is a free gift of grace from him. He came to her house. He came to her house to spend time with her and to bless her, not to watch her run around like a busybody. He came to remove her burdens, not to make them heavier. Tabithi Buile writes, Jesus gives a perfect answer. Jesus says to Martha and women and men everywhere, in all your busyness, don't forget that only one thing is necessary. That one thing is not the next task on your to-do list. That one thing is not serving others. The one necessary thing is enjoying the Lord Himself. Her story is a a reminder for all of us believers that while Jesus has certainly called us to serve one another and and to do the work of the gospel, he's first called us to be his disciples. To first of all, be in constant communion and joyous relationship with him. It's a a convicting reminder that I personally need at times as well. Because I, I admit that, that I can't even count how many days I've shown up at church in, in the morning during the week and immediately got to work answering emails and working on my sermons and planning events and going to meetings and doing the work of the ministry while failing to, to first come before the one I'm supposed to be doing it for. Those specific days don't often go so well. And I'm soon reminded like Martha, that it's because I was trying to do things for Jesus without first being with Jesus and, and renewing my strength and my purpose in Him. Oh, as Warren Weersby writes, it seems evident that the Lord wants each of us to imitate Mary in our worship and Martha in our work. But that we do, but that what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. Again, it is not an either-or situation of being like Mary or being like Martha, it is a matter of balance. Few things are as damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking time to commune with Christ. So Jesus wants us to commune with him, to know him, to come to him. In fact, he shows us that whether we come to him like Mary, meek and devoted, or whether we come to him like Martha, full of anxiety and frustration, he receives us all, equally where we're at with the grace we need and then gives us rest and even strength for the task ahead. He even says in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28-30, He says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This almost seems to be an invitation specifically tailored for Martha herself, right? But really, it's, it's an invitation for all of us, all of us who, who are weary, trying to muster up the strength to keep serving or leading or, or giving, an invitation to lay the burden of our sin and the stress of our lives down at His feet so we can find lasting rest and an easy yoke that can only come from Him. To receive the one thing, as He tells Martha, the good portion that cannot be taken away from us. Psalm seventy-three twenty-five 25-26 expresses this beautifully. It says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And that's the, the underlying point of this whole passage. My portion Forever. What we often forget is that the many things or pursuits or works which we tend to prioritize and and strive for in this world, the, the things or tasks or desires which occupy most of our time and often make us worried or anxious or critical and envious of others, all those things will pass away. We put so much effort and get so worked up by all these things that we can't even take with us. The only thing which remains forever is the Lord. The blessing of knowing Him cannot be taken away from us. Nothing can separate us from His love. His love which He generously poured out for us at the cross and sealed within us by His Spirit. He's the necessary and good portion, which satisfies completely. Nothing else lasts. Only Him. He's our eternal life. He's our righteousness. He's our refuge. He's our rest and the source of our strength. And therefore, anything apart from Him will fall away, will pass away. Of course, we also can't forget that He alone is who brings purpose and eternal value to, to any work that we will do. And, and he alone is who provides what we need to do it, for from him and through him and for him are all things. Or as Jesus has said, we don't need to worry or become anxious about the things of life, what we eat or what we wear, and say, we need to put first the kingdom of God. And then all these things shall be added to us. He needs to be our priority. We need him to be first. We need Him to be our foundation and our solid rock that we build upon, which means, like, Mary, we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. We need to regularly come to Him in faith and humbly learn from him. And for us, this mean, like practically speaking, this means intention, making intentional space and prioritizing time out of our busy days and weeks to to bow before him in prayer. Not just speaking to him and telling him what to do, right? But also silently waiting upon him, which we'll get into more next week. Sitting at his feet also means consistently and humbly learning and meditating upon his word day and night. It also means consistently gathering together with the body of Christ like we're doing to to worship the Lord and and to serve and encourage and build one another up in Christ. Again, to, to sit at the feet of Jesus means to prioritize being with Him before we attempt to do anything for Him. Because that's the only way we can. To sit at the feet of Jesus means to prioritize being with Him before we attempt to do anything for Him, because that's the only way we can. And while some of us might be able to directly relate to, to Martha's type A personality and having that propensity to just get busy and get the work done, no matter what it costs you, even to the point of burnout, how many of us? You know, yeah, yeah. Probably should be a few more hands, but it's okay. We'll get into the letting the Holy Spirit convict us later in the message. But you know, not all of us are like that. You know, some of us are more like Mary, maybe a type B personality, and we have our, have our different weaknesses, right? But still, the lesson and, and the question still remains. What, what in our life is keeping us from, noti- from noticing and surrendering to Jesus throughout our day? What in our lives has the potential to to keep us distracted from him or or to cause us to neglect spending time sitting at his feet? Maybe for you it is the busyness of life that you can so easily get caught up in the doing and even even doing godly or church-related things, but yet it causes you to forget to put up or or to put off being being with Jesus first? Or is it the stress and, and cares of this world that come from work or, or home life or relationships or paying your bills and all that kind of stuff that consumes our days and our and our thoughts and causes our Bibles to be left on the shelf and makes us think we just don't have the time or energy to pray right now? In the same vein, maybe it's our envy of others and our, our pursuit of the desires and things of the world that, that keeps us from prioritizing time with Him first. Or maybe it's the guilt and shame of, of lingering sin, which, you know, keeps us from coming to Him, not realizing that He's waiting for us to offer grace and rest. Or is it that your mind is, 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 is consumed with worldly concerns, you know, or frustrations, or anxiety about things like politics and governments and COVID-19 restrictions and conspiracy theories, which leaves little room for putting the kingdom of God first. Or maybe it's just laziness or self-centeredness. We prefer to make up excuses so we can sit at home and do nothing or go for a round of golf rather than come to a Bible study or prayer meeting. Or is it our addiction to screens and social media, consuming our time and our hearts We wake up in the morning and the first thing we do is check our Instagram feed rather than feeding our souls with his word, with the good portion. Instead, we're feeding our souls with all the garbage on Facebook, causing us to become more worried and more anxious. Right? Whatever it is, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal and convict us of all that distracts us and keeps us from focusing and and, and deepening our relationship with Christ. We need, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal and convict these things to us. Precisely so that we can repent of all these misplaced priorities and so that we can lay our worries and our anxieties down at his feet, at the foot of the cross, where we could find grace and the rest and a peace beyond understanding so that like Mary, we can learn to prioritize sitting at the feet of Jesus, pursuing Him and desiring Him above all else. Because again, it's only from that place of faithfully abiding in Him and being aware of His presence. It's from that place where we'll find we have the strength and and the peace and a joyful desire to live for Him. We need to prioritize being with Him so that we can live for him. On that end, and as we close this morning, my prayer is that this passage would become the cry of our heart. Lamentations 3, 22 to 24, says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. We're going to do something kind of weird right now, but incredibly important, I think. I want us to read that together as the church, as our prayer this morning. Can we do that? Let's let's read that together. Lamentations three twenty-two to 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to come to us, to come into our lives, into our brokenness, into our mess, to invite us to come and find rest. Lord, I thank you that that he accomplished that for us at the cross By taking upon Himself our sins, the burden of our sins, the guilt of our sins, the punishment of our sins, all upon Himself at the cross, so that we can live in freedom from those things, so that we can live in a place of rest and a peace beyond understanding. So that we could live set apart from the distractions of the world. And Lord God, I pray that this this morning we would we would be able to come before you and sit at your feet with with hearts of of repentance for when we have become distracted, when we haven't put you first, Lord. Knowing that you will receive us like you did with Martha with with grace, with gentleness, with mercy. And invite us to come and find that rest, that easy yoke, that light burden. Lord, I pray that you would help us become more disciplined in our lives. Each day, each minute, to come before you, to sit at your feet, to find rest. To be reminded that life with you is more about abiding in you and doing things for you. Lord, I thank you that you desire for us to know you, to know the Father above all else, that that is eternal life. Let us walk and live from that perspective, from that knowledge, from that truth. Lord, I pray if anyone is here having a hard time accepting that invitation to come to you, Lord, that you would speak into their hearts this morning. Would draw them close to you. That you would remove anything that's that's keeping them from coming to you, Lord. And that they would surrender to you at your feet and find that forgiveness and that mercy and that easy yoke, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name.